Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was growing up, my mom would often have dinner ready or close to ready when my sister and I got home from school each evening. She believed that a hot meal shared together around the common table was essential for a strong family life. Now, there was nothing like walking in that front door on a cold winter evening and being greeted by the smell of a pot of homemade chili or homemade soup and cornbread or biscuits. When asked why she cooked dinner every evening, my mother responded, we all need at least one meal a day that sticks to our bones. Writing a few years ago in the Washington Post, Mara Jutkus says of these comfort foods, while a food can stick to your ribs for that warm feeling it gives you, there's also a physical reason some meals have taken on the designation. To put it plainly, we digest these foods more slowly. She quotes Rebecca Stickfield, a dietitian, as saying, it's something that stays with you that's lasting and satisfying. Sometimes we call these foods soul foods because we recognize that they feed not only our bodies, but our spirits. Now, I'm probably living proof that I had more than one meal a day that stuck to my bones. But I think my mother knew something about the importance of real food in a world that is all too often consumed by overly processed, instant, artificially flavored, colored, and sweetened food products. She labored in that hot kitchen for hours because she loved us, and cooking those time-consuming meals was one way of using her gifts to show her love for us. In the midst of the current struggles we face to address a whole host of issues that confront us as a church and as a society, it often seems as if we want easy answers, quick fixes to our problem, the fast food. We want the world to be made right overnight. We want these troubling issues to just go away and leave us to our comfortable lives. To some extent, that's human nature. We see it illustrated so clearly in the reading from Exodus when the Hebrew people complain against God that the journey through the wilderness is just miserable for them. Though they had complained incessantly about the oppression they faced in Egypt, now they turn their ire toward Moses and Miriam and Aaron and through them toward God. All too quickly, the suffering they had endured in Egypt is forgotten and they reshape the narrative of their time there as one filled with bounty and marked by comfort. If only God had left us to die in Egypt, they bemoan. We could have died with full stomachs. No, God had to lead us out of that land of plenty to starve to death in this desert. 
These harsh words, words that lack any understanding of the efforts it took to secure their liberation from bondage under Pharaoh and his armies. God hears these complaints and grows frustrated with the Hebrews for their lack of trust. God makes a promise to the people that they will soon be drowning in food, a sign of God's overwhelming concern and provision. It isn't long before God's words are fulfilled, and the camp is inundated with quail and manna, that flaky white substance most likely secreted by the scraggly bushes around them. The people are confused by that odd material. Any of us would have, and they ask, what is it? In Hebrew, literally, man who, which is where we get the name manna. The story is meant to illustrate God's provision. The Hebrew people want a simple, easy way of life filled with the tastiest of foods, not remembering the bondage that comes with it. God, through Moses and Miriam and Aaron, leads them along a difficult but meaningful journey to a land of freedom that they can truly call home. And along the way, God provides nourishing food that gives them the strength they need for the journey and that builds trust in the provision of God. But like most of us, they yearn for ease and pleasure, struggling to see the value in the difficult and the complex. If we're going to grow into mature and healthy adults, if we're going to live long and satisfying lives, we're going to need real nourishment to sustain our bodies. The same is also true of our hearts and minds. The writer of Ephesians, most likely a disciple of the Apostle Paul, understood this and called readers to grow in the faith, to grow up in the faith, to receive the nourishment provided by God in Christ through the Spirit at work in the church. God is always at work providing the nutrients that we need through the world around us. The writer reminds readers that God has raised up leaders in the church with gifts of all kinds to mentor and build up the body of Christ, the whole body of Christ that we, individually and collectively, might persevere in the midst of the struggles of life. Still, there are parts of us that yearn for simplicity and ease. We just want to live our lives, to enjoy what pleasures we can find and not worry so much about the state of the world or the long-term impact of our actions. We see that playing out in our world today with the struggle over masks and mitigation efforts in the pandemic. We're not all that different from the crowds who followed Jesus and seemed to almost plague him in this reading from John. They want a fast meal, fast food, a quick physical and spiritual fix that titillates their taste buds and warms their hearts, but ultimately leaves their stomachs and their souls empty. They want more of this instant fix for the problems in their lives. But Jesus confronts them and challenges them to realize that they're searching for more than the empty promises of magic tricks. 
Jesus pushes them to realize that they're searching for the real bread of life, the food that nourishes not only body but soul. They've had a taste of it in the feeding of the multitudes just a few verses before today's reading, but they think they're just going in search of a miracle worker who can produce food out of thin air. And Jesus says that they are instead looking for the only kind of food that can really fill them up inside. They want Jesus to do miracles, to entertain them with the magical and mysterious powers they attribute to God, but Jesus won't give in to those demands. He refuses to give them that instant fix that they crave. Instead, Jesus calls them to a nourishing diet of slow-cooked, savory, stick-to-their-bones food, of gentle teaching and thoughtful interaction and respectful engagement. Instead of a rushed meal that would leave them wanting more, Jesus invites them to the table of God's slow-cooked relationships, marinated in love and grace and justice. It's in these moments of lingering with each other that we realize the presence of God that falls from heaven like manna to feed our hungry souls, and when the real unity of the Spirit that the author of Ephesians challenges us to maintain is built. In these moments of table fellowship, bonds are forged that allow us to have the most difficult of conversations to bear our souls with all their scars, and to be vulnerable with each other. In these moments of grace, the healing of the world begins. I think back to a dinner that several of us who are progressive clergy here in the Grand Rapids area shared with former Representative Justin Amash back in the fall of 2019, before the pandemic and before our world fell apart. Now, I can assure you that all of us found ourselves on the other side of the political aisle from Representative Amash, but at his invitation, we agreed to sit down to eat and to talk over a home-cooked meal of soups and breads and salads, we shared our concerns about our community and the world, particularly about LGBTQIA folks and families especially young transgender students who have so often faced the target, who have so often faced and been the target of discriminatory policies and practices. Representative Amash listened and asked questions. He admitted ignorance and failures on his part and the part of his colleagues, and his sentiments seemed genuine. I won't say that his views were completely transformed on that day, but I do believe that the five hours that we spent together around that table created a greater sense of understanding among all of us. Isn't that how real progress happens? In a world of empty calories from fast food and snacks made of little more than cast-off ingredients reprocessed for cheap liquidation. Jesus invites us to a meal 
with food that really sticks to our bones. He invites us to choose food that nourishes not only our bodies, but also our souls. Jesus reminds us that meals are about more than the food we eat. They are about the relationships that are built through the sharing of life together around a table. In just a few moments, we will gather around this table, set with the simple elements of bread and juice. We're going to wait on each other, and we're going to linger in the presence of each other, in the presence of the one who invites us to this table and serves as our gracious host. In these holy moments, we will be fed with food that really sticks to our bones so that we can be sent out into the world to do the hard work of rebuilding lives. Amen.